In the second reading, we are told that we should live a sanctified life that Christ paid for with his life. The second reading is from Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show the hospitality to strangers, for for thereby have some entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as those in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in, in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefied, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, for, for you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man do to me. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share with what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This is the word of the Lord. Did you see the the sermon title? The sermon title is Stay in Philadelphia. Now, I'm not talking about the city in eastern Pennsylvania. I'm talking about... Okay, let's go back to the slide now. I'm talking about the the first sentence there. Let brotherly love continue. You You know, Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. And so in the Greek... The Greek word that's used is Philadelphia. And the word continue in the Greek means to stay. So while the translation says, let brotherly love continue, I'd rather say, folks, stay in Philadelphia. Now, the word brotherly love is, uh, for, for some people, it's not a, it's not a politically correct word anymore because we're not to talk about brotherly stuff. We're talking about gender-neutral stuff. And so my Bible has, um, my Bible has this translation. Um, Let mutual love continue. But they don't call Philadelphia the city of mutual love. They call it the city of brotherly love. And in this case, the word brother doesn't have gender attached to it. It's like the word guy. Hey, you guys. Even people who would object to brotherly love wouldn't have any trouble saying to men and women, hey, you guys. Even though the musical guys and dolls refers to men and women. So let brotherly love continue. 
Now, you have to wonder why the writer to the Hebrews wrote that. Well, in any group of people, I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about any group of people, there arise differences of opinion. If you've got two people, you have three opinions. Even in a marriage. All right. <laughs> See, and, and so the idea is that in the Christian church, what rules is this brotherly love and that it overcomes all of the barriers that may, that may arise because of our, uh, of our differences. Let brotherly love continue. In fact, someone has written that you can call a church a brotherhood. Not a, well, you could call it a sisterhood too, but it's a brotherhood. Uh, or it's a congregation. Now, the word congregation means to come together. It's a community where we have stuff in common. And today, this brotherhood, this congregation, this community celebrates an important step in its life in the first service in this new church. And as I sat here, I listened to the music. It brought a tear to my eye. What a, what a, it's just a different feeling here, isn't it? I mean, we love the old place. But this is super. Our new clubhouse for this brotherhood. Let brotherly love continue. One of the greatest compliments that was ever given to a, a Christian community, a Christian brotherhood, was given by a man named Lucian, who lived in the second century. Lucian was a non-believer. He, was, he didn't believe in Christianity at all. And one day, he saw a Christian congregation. He had investigated them. And he looked at them, and he sneered, and he said, see how they love one another. And that was not a compliment. That was a derision. How stupid, how dumb they love one another. The witness had gone out. They were in brotherly love. Because it was just that kind of brotherly love that attracted people to the Christian church. Where here you could find a community where people cared about each other, each other and loved each other and brotherly love continued. Now the next sentence is, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. The word hospitality in the Greek word, in the Greek language is philoxenia. And I know you don't speak Greek, but I have to do this. Now the philo in philoxenia is the same phil as in Philadelphia. It means love. And the xenia means stranger. And the love of stranger is translated hospitality. And the teaching here is do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. That is, in, in the Christian community, love of the brother and love of the stranger are put on the same level. So that everybody is welcome. Don't forget, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Are there strangers here today? I know two. Jim and Judy are here. A stranger should never leave this church, this fellowship, without being greeted. It takes a lot of risk 
to come to a church for the first time. And when people walk in that door for the first time, they, they come for a variety of reasons. Some have just moved into, a, into the community, are looking for a church. Some are lonely. Some have a problem on their heart and they hope that the preacher is going to talk to them that morning. Whatever reason they, 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 they have, they come into the church and it's hard. Have you walked into a church for the first time and you don't know anybody? And if they walk in and they walk out and nobody says anything to them, do you think they'll be back? Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now that's hard for us because most of us are introverts. And most of us would rather talk to our friends because it's, it's, more, it's just more comfortable to talk to our friends. And uh, so look around now. Everybody look around. Is there anybody you don't know? See, I see some smiles. Yes, there are some people. You, you know Mark? Raise your hand, Mark. How many of you know Mark? Oh, well, Mark, we hope a lot of people talk to you. Now, now, we go visiting in your homes a lot, and I give a standard speech. And lots of you heard it. I'm going to give it again in this theme. When you come to church on Sunday morning, you have no friends. Because what we tend to do is we tend to go and talk to our friends. And we draw a circle around ourselves and our friends, and then nobody's allowed in the, in, in the circle. So if a stranger walks in and there are all those circles there, there's no place for the stranger to go. And so the, the commercial is, until you know everybody in that room, you have no friends. And when you know everybody in that room, then you can go and, and visit with your friends to make the stranger welcome. Because the only way this church is going to grow is if we welcome the stranger. Let brotherly love continue. That's right. But do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. I want to tell you two stories about hospitality in the church. And uh, the first story has got to do with how sometimes in the church we, we have a certain prejudice in the church. And I want to read from the Bible because in one of the earliest congregations there was, there was prejudice. And all the visitors to the church were not of equal value. This is from the letter of James, chapter 2. If a person with gold rings and in fine clothes come in, comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, well, to the one who is poor, you say, stand there or sit at my feet. Now, can you imagine Two visitors come to a church. One is all decked out with rings and really looks wonderful. They say, wow, this is a mover and a shaker. Please come and take a, a seat. And some guy who doesn't dress very well comes in. Oh, go sit on the floor. Go sit over there in the corner. That happens. We do judge people who come, who come through the door. And James says this. When you do that, 
Have you not made distinctions among yourselves? And haven't you become judges with evil thoughts? Because you're not showing hospitalities to strangers. Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Now that happens. It happens in churches. It happened in, in my church in Rogers. I will never forget. One Sunday, an African-American gentleman came in the church and he sat in the back and nobody talked to him. The whole service, nobody talked to him. Now I, because I was at the back door and going to greet people, I got a hold of him and he was a, a truck driver. He was passing through Rogers. He was looking for a church and he found Peace Lutheran Church and he walked in and we didn't know what to do with him. Everybody had their little circle and there was no room for him in any of those circles. And I had to apologize because I was the only one who who spoke to him. We do make those kinds of distinctions. We just do. And we may not. The second story I want to tell you is about the second half of this. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. That is to say, you never know who comes through the door of the church. And this says, maybe, maybe an angel walks in and you don't know it. Here's my story. It was the 15th of April, 1972. It was a Saturday. And I was preparing my sermon for the next day. And I was preaching on this text. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. You should follow in his steps. I had worked on this sermon all week. And on Saturday afternoon, I had nothing. And it was panic time. And then I remembered this book. Because there's a book called In His Steps. Anybody know this book? If you know the book, raise your hand. Susan knows it, one or two. In His Steps. It's a wonderful book. It's, it's a, a book about a Reverend Maxwell. And here's the, how it opens up. It's a Saturday afternoon and Reverend Maxwell is working on his sermon. He really wants to get it done because he worked very hard on his sermons. And he, and he told his wife, now, if anybody comes to the door, send them away. He's working on his, on his sermon and his wife has gone out somewhere and he hears a knock on the door. So he puts his stuff down, he goes to the door and the guy at the door is, is, looks rather shabby. He looks rather down and out. And it turns out that he had been a, a printer. But the new linotype machines that, that set type for newspapers had put large numbers of people out of work. He has spent all day Saturday looking for work, going from church to church to church. And now he came to Reverend Maxwell. And he said, I need a job. I have a little girl and my wife has just died. 
can you set me up with somebody in your church? I need a job. And Reverend Maxwell said, no, I can't. Times are hard. I can't give you a job. I'm sorry, sir. And so the guy goes away, and, and Reverend Maxwell finishes his wonderful sermon about walking in the steps of Jesus. The next morning, the church is full, and Reverend Maxwell preaches this wonderful sermon how Christians need to do what Jesus did. We have to walk in the steps of Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender, they sang. And when the sermon was over, this guy walked down the aisle and told his story about how he was out of work and his wife had died and his, had a little girl and he'd been all over town and the only person who paid any attention to him was Reverend Maxwell. And he thanked Reverend Maxwell at least, at least for his sympathy. And then the man collapsed right in the middle of the church, right in the aisle. The service was immediately over. And they brought the man to Reverend Maxwell's house. And during the week, he died. And that transformed Reverend Maxwell. And that's what this book is about, how Reverend Maxwell then worked to improve the conditions of people in, in, who were unemployed. He was going to walk in Jesus' steps. Well, in short order, I had my sermon done. And I was going to tell the folks in Brayton, Iowa, how we're going to walk in the steps of Jesus. And I was all done. I was all done. And then, guess what? Someone was knocking on the door of my study. And I said, God, don't do this to me. <laughs> don't do this to me. And I opened the door, and there was this guy just passing through town on a Saturday afternoon looking for a meal, looking for a place to stay. And I was stuck. I, who was going to talk, talk about walking in his steps, couldn't send the guy away. So, well, we invited him in. His name was Sam Pavlov. This was in 1972. I never forgot his name. We fed him. We gave him a place to sleep down in the basement. And I put a chair under the lock of the door. I did. The next day we fed him, and he was gone. I think he was an angel. Because that never happened again. You cannot call it a coincidence. What you can say is that God has a sense of humor. And from time to time, God says to preachers, put up or shut up. And on that, that day, he told me to put up or shut up. And we had to put up. He was an angel. I'm just sure of that. Because there are two, it's not a coincidence. 
when I'm preaching on this book and the, the Maxwell story, and it all, it all came together. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, because thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Now, what's this all about? You don't know who's going to walk through that door. And I don't know either. And what if God sends an angel through that door and we draw the circles around ourselves and that angel leaves and is unwelcomed and untouched and a judgment on us? Stay in Philadelphia. That we know. Let's stay in Philadelphia. But we need to show hospitality to strangers. What we need... What this church needs is a greeting committee to greet all of the strangers who come to our church. And you're it. Amen.